This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're all in the Belmont Stakes. Make another two lengths more. Back to win, win, win. On the turn, beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home. And he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride. As they come to the final furlong. Keep battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the Belmont Stakes. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Mike Conti and Mike Somich to break down the 155th running of the Belmont Stakes, also the 50th anniversary since Secretariat's record-setting run at Belmont Park in Elmont, New York, going to post at 7.02 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. It will be race 12 on the card. We have an exciting weekend for the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival, nine grade one stakes, Four grade two stakes, a handful of grade three stakes as well. In my opinion, the best racing weekend in American horse racing aside from Breeders' Cup weekend. We're going to jump right into the Belmont Stakes, though, and then go back and talk about the Friday and Saturday undercards and get some other best bets, some ways to play these cards from our horse racing handicappers. Let's start off talking about the pace, though, of the Belmont Stakes. Again, race 12 on Saturday, 12, uh, 7.02 p.m. post time. The pace is the key here because the na- number four national treasure, who was your Preakness winner, he is five to one in the Belmont Stakes, might be the lone speed again. I don't see much other speed in here, just like we didn't see much other speed on Preakness Day going against them. He was able to wire that field. Is he going to be able to do it at a mile and a half in the Belmont Stakes and stay the distance? That is the question. I think the big X factor in terms of pace is the number eight Angel of Empire, who was your post-time favorite in the Kentucky Derby after the number six Forte in the Belmont Stakes scratch out of the Derby. But he is putting on blinkers for this race. I think that's going to keep him closer to the pace. And that might make things a bit more interesting if nobody else sends with National Treasure. So, Mike Conti, I want to go to you first. How do you handicap the pace for this race? And how do you see National Treasure's ability, if nobody else goes with him, to maybe stay that mile and a half? Yeah, I think, Sean, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? National Treasure is lone speed on paper. And yes, it's a mile and a half. Uh, but again, lone speed, you know, yes, we've got blinkers going on, Angel of Empire. National Treasure is going to get the lead. The question is, is he, can he get the distance? Uh, and in this spot, you know, I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. We've seen a couple of other horses in the past go gate to wire in the Belmont. It's it's the big Sandy, right? We know big sweeping turns. It's a tiring racetrack, especially on that dirt course. Uh, so can National Treasure get the distance? We'll see. I think that he's the only logical one to go out for the lead and get the pace um, you know, maybe we see somebody else like the five, uh, Il Morocco try to try to go out, but I just don't think that he's fast enough. I think national treasure has way more natural gate speed to be able to break and get the lead early. Yeah. I think national treasure, the way he's been moving around the track leading up to this race too, has really impressed the morning clockers as well. Mike Samich, other than the five, maybe, you know, who's 30 to one on the board. And if he was 90 to one, I'm not even sure if I would bet him to hit the underneath and exotics. Is there anybody else you think can compete with national treasure and maybe force him to actually run hard early and not have much left in the tank late? 
I mean, Ilmir Kolo five is, is pretty interesting here. I mean, he went 23, 45 and one last time going a mile. So has the speed if you try and quarter horse him out of there to, to get to national treasure. And I thought Conti brought up a great point there that the natural speed of national treasure is what really helps him. Uh, it was just a masterclass ride from John Velasquez in the Preakness. If you go back and you watch it, uh, Mage broke well. And Velasquez just floated out from that three path all the way out and pinched Mage back, forced the other speed wide into the first turn, and then was able to cut the corner and, and go slow there for the first half mile. I do think that the draw was very important here. You mentioned Angel of Empire. Uh, the last two horses to be drawn were both Brad Cox horses, Angel of Empire and Tappet Shoes on the rail. Tappet Shoes drawing the one makes Tappet Shoes an interesting pace perspective mm -hmm. horse in my mind. I, I think that's the other one that has some early get up. And if you look at this, Tappet Shoes clearly the worst of the three Brad Cox horses, but clearly possesses the most speed of the three Brad Cox horses. Went 46 and four to the half mile last time at Oakland Park going a mile and an eighth. And if I'm Brad Cox and I've got three, we see Chad Brown do this on the turf. One of them's going and I, I'm not letting anyone get an easy lead. You have the rail horse now with speed. I think that's the Brad Cox is going to go. I think Tappet Shoes is going to be the horse that tries to press National Treasure early, especially when you have uh, horses like Hit Show who doesn't want to press the pace but wants to be around it, and Angel of Empire who's probably going to be coming from the clouds in a way. So it, it makes sense to me that Brad Cox says, hey, we're, we're using Tappet Shoes early. We're making National Treasure work for this lead, and especially with that gate draw, the rail draw forces the hand, in my mind, of Tappet Shoes. So I think Tappet Shoes tries to send with National Treasure and create a little bit more of a a mess early than what we saw in the Preakness. Yeah, very interesting point there. When you own a third of the field as the trainer, you can basically set up the pace for yourself if you can create a rabbit to go with the other early speed. I like the Angel of Empire maybe best coming in on paper. So if they're going to set up the race for him, maybe I like him the most as a top wing contender. Before we get to your top wing contenders, let's talk about some horses who are going to toss for the race. We did talk briefly about the number five, Omaraclo, at 30 to one. Is he a horse that you're not going to include in any exotics? And then a horse that I personally am going to go against here, the number nine, Red Route One, didn't see much speed in the Preakness. You need to be forwardly placed if you're going to hit the board at Belmont. He's not training as well as he was coming into the Preakness. Don't love him coming back off a two weeks rest. So curious if you're going to use the number nine, Red Route One, in a race where you typically need to be forward and he's going to be coming from the clouds. We also may not see much space. Uh, Samich, going to go right back to you. The the five and the nine are tosses for me. Agree or disagree? I would agree with both of those. I, I Red Route One is just going to be too far back. You made a great point, Sean. A lot of people say, oh, it's a mile and a half race. That favors closers. That is wrong. <laughs> it actually does not generally favor closers here at Belmont. You need to be more forwardly placed, especially to win the race generally. Uh, it's hard to win from way off the pace in this spot. You can hit the board. You can muck it up a little bit. And I guess Red Route One is going to be trying to run up for that third or fourth spot. But when you look at the horses that Red Route 1 has beaten, it just doesn't give you confidence that this is a horse that's going to hit the board here in, in the Belmont. For me, I, look, I always try and chuck a favorite. Tappet Trice is going to be the horse I chuck here. The, the three horse who, look, is going to be three to one. Three to one on the morning line probably goes off as your third choice. I think Angel of Empire gets bet down to the second choice here. Uh, but the more I watch Tappet Trice, uh, a horse has a boatload of talent just has not caught up mentally to that talent yet. And and when you go back and you watch the Derby, it just, again, a lot of issues from a, just an athletic standpoint, not athletic enough to get to holes, slow out of the gate, just slow in general early. We mentioned how closers generally don't fare well. Well, guess what? Tapatrice is going to be a closer here. He's going to be way back there as well. I'm scared this is the horse that's going to kill my super, but I am going to leave Tapatrice out as well. I think he's the one that you can chuck at a short price. 
Tappets have had a lot of success in the Belmont, winning the Belmont stakes. I agree. I don't love his running style either. We'll probably be against him from an actual win contender for that reason. I'll probably use him defensively in exotics though, but that is interesting going against one of, you know, the shorter priced horses if you really want to juice up your tickets. So the, the five and the nine we agree on as tosses. You're also going to toss the two to a degree as well. Mike Conti, uh, five and nine, agree or disagree. And then where else are you looking to toss? Cut your card. Agree on five and nine completely. Uh, and the other one, frankly, is is who Mike Samich talked about earlier in the one for the exact same reason that Mike spoke about, right? Tap at shoes. It's It's very logical to believe that he's going to be sent to try to create some more pace in this race and pr- at least press the pace and, and force national treasure to use more of his speed early on in this race. And so for that reason, the one to me is a toss. I, I don't want to call him a rabbit, but I, I don't think that he's in this wit race to win the race. So the one thing I do want to point out, uh, just based on clocker reports, I have gotten encouraging signs from Tapachus, even though he hasn't raced in a while. They've actually said he's been working better than Hit Show, which I think is interesting. Hit Show, the reports were a bit more glowing going into the Derby. So just in terms of like current form, that stuff I really think is very readily available information for these big race days. So just take that for what you will. But yeah, I mean, maybe he hangs on for third or fourth, but if he's going to be used as a rabbit, he's setting up the other horses in his barn um, let's talk about your top wing contenders. So we know Mike Samich not going to go with the number two tap at Trice. Curious though, amongst Forte, who was your original morning line favorite for the Kentucky Derby, ended up scratching the number four national treasure, who's five to one, who was your Preakness winner. And then you have Angel Empire, the number eight at seven to two, who you prefer amongst those. And if you're considering it all, maybe including anybody else, because the number three Archangelo at eight to one, the Peter Pan winner has gotten a lot of buzz this week. Yeah, this is a this is a big moment for Conti and I here. We're trying to hit the triple crown on the Action Pod Network here. Had Mage in the first race. Conti had National Treasure there in the Preakness. So the question is, can we close it out with the Belmont? Uh, One of the reasons I picked Mage in the Derby was the Florida Derby, which I thought was a wildly underrated race. I think it might be a key race, the way Fort Bragg ran on on Derby Day. Uh, Mage obviously comes back to win the Derby. I don't want to pick Forte, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Forte here. I just don't think he's done anything wrong. I, we talked about how you have to be more forwardly placed. I think of the main contenders, Forte is the one who is going to be closest to the pace. Again, I like. I think 5-2 to two isn't a bad price here either. We were just staring at 3-1 to one in the Derby in a 20-horse field. This is not... The Derby, this isn't as tough of a field. Now, there's questions with him coming back. He's had, a, obviously, a longer layoff because he did miss the Derby. But all the reports, he's training well. Took a little bit of a, a rough step earlier this week, but didn't affect him. And there's been no rumors. Last time we did this for the pre, for the Derby, there were rumors swirling. He was going to uh, pull out of the race. None of that has happened yet. So I, I think everything's good to go with Forte. I still think that Florida Derby was the best prep race we've seen heading into the three Triple Crown races. I think you're going to get enough pace early to set it up for him to sit mid-pack and make a move. And oh, by the way, he's danced all the dances. He likes to win. It's just a horse that has heart and wants to get the job done. I think it's Forte's race to lose, and I think 5-2 to two is not a bad price on him either. He's the classiest horse in the field by far. And yes, I, you know I would not overlook him, especially considering... What else we have coming back? I, I don't think you can go against Forte completely. Anybody else you're going to use on on multi race tickets? Uh, if you're building 
Yeah, I'd say mostly for multis, any other horses you're going to include. Angel of Empire, I think, is really interesting, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little concerned about where Angel of Empire is sitting. As you mentioned, Sean, adding the blinkers, I think, does help. But I'm, I, I'm concerned he's going to be too far back. And the three Archangelo is the other one that I just kept going yeah. back to. And, and we talked about how Tappets have a ton of success. Uh, well, this is an arrogate, but out of a Tappet mare that has, on the on the female side of the family, rags to riches and Giselle, two horses that have both won the Belmont. So clearly has the breeding to like this track, has a breeding to like the distance, and is peaking at the right time as well. I mean, you like to see a win over the track and the horse taking a step forward. So for me, the three, Archangelo, the six, Forte, and the eight are your main win contenders. I, I like Forte on top, uh, but I would not be shocked if either of the other two get the job done. Three, six, eight for Mike Samich potentially in multi-race tickets, but certainly keying on the six Forte. Yeah, Angel of Empire was my initial reaction. Archangelo was a horse who at eight to one, I initially looked at and said that price is probably about right. If he was 15 to one, I would absolutely be betting him to win that. You know, that's probably I expected maybe 15 to one, 12 to one. I think David Aragona did a really good job making this morning line. Mike Conti, who are your top wing contenders and your top overall selection? So the top overall selection for just about every reason that Mike Samich just mentioned is number three, Archangelo. Uh, when you look at this horse overall, we, we've we've heard it, right? The win over the track, the horse has progressed really nicely throughout his career. And yes, I do believe that he's bred top and bottom for this race, right? And for a race of this distance, you know, Javier Castellano obviously just won the Derby on Mage. He's been riding exceptionally well this year. He's ridden Archangelo in these uh, two last starts, which were both wins. So he knows this horse really well. And I think that unlike some of the other issues with some of the deep closers that we've talked about, Archangelo is someone that's going to sit you know, in a stalking type position, two, three, four lengths, you look at where Archangelo has been at first call in those last two races. It was never more than four lengths out. So he's not going to be coming from the clouds. I think he will be very nicely positioned. I love the post position for him being in the three, because as we mentioned, you know, number one tap at shoes is probably going to get sent. We know that national treasure is going to go. We know that the five year Miracolo is probably also going to try to go. And so it leaves Nash or excuse me, it leaves Archangelo being able to sit a really nice trip on that rail with those other horses. We know tap it. Trice has the gate issues. So it leaves Archangelo this really beautiful rail trip that I'm envisioning for him and coming clean for home. Sean, I agree with you. I, I think David did an awesome job with the morning lines. I thought we were going to get like a 10 to 12 to one range. Eight to one still attractive enough to me. And I also think that, you know, for, for every reason that Mike Samich mentioned with Forte, I do think that Forte is going to take a decent amount of money in here. And so I don't know. I mean, I think that Archangelo will stay at eight to one. I don't see him dipping much below that, but we also maybe get a little bit of a luck and see him float up to nine or 10 to one. So that's, he's my top choice. Um, I will also be using in my multi-race bets. I'll also be using national treasure just because of the fact that, again, he moves so fluidly, he just won the Preakness, he has the most natural gate speed. And if for whatever reason, you know, Tappet Shoes has issues in the gate, your Miracolo doesn't get sent, whatever it could be, if he is lone speed and, and gets a loose lead, you know, he could easily win this thing. And then listen, I, I do agree, Forte has done nothing wrong. I mean, we said this on the podcast when we were doing the Derby podcast, right? 
Forte's done nothing wrong in his career. You know, I don't love though that he took another misstep. Um, again, it just it makes you wonder, right? I'm not saying the horse isn't sound. I, I just don't know. And so that's the reason why he's not going to be a top win contender, but I'm also not going to let him beat me because you know, for those for those that that follow, right? Mike Rapoli, who's the owner of uh of Forte. Right. Mike Rapoli is a New York guy. Last year, Mike Rapoli won the Belmont with Mo Donegal. And at the time, he said that that was the most important race for him to win being a New York guy. So, you know, that this race means something to these connections. So, you know, I'm not going to leave him off the ticket. So I'm three, four and uh, and Forte as my as my top win contenders and my top selection will be number three, Archangelo. Yeah. Forte, the number six, the New York horse trained by Todd Pletcher, owned by Mike Rapoli. Five to two favorite on the morning line. Top Fletcher also has the second choice. The number two tap at Trice, as we discussed, at three to one. But even though we don't have a lot of consensus throughout Friday and Saturday, we do have slight consensus here in the Belmont Stakes. Guys both tossing the five and the nine. They both like the three, the six, and the eight as top wing contenders. And Conti is also going to use the number four because nobody likes to get beat by Bob Baffert. When these cards close out and you have a lot of money riding on the line, Let's back up just a second before we get to the undercard bets. Figure out the horses you're going to use underneath. There's not a lot of options, certainly. And we've already tossed the five and nine at 15 to one and 30 to one as potential long shot candidates. So doesn't leave much on the board in terms of top long shot contenders. But if you guys had to key around one specific horse in terms of building your exactas, your trifectas that aren't your top wing contenders, where are you going? Conti, I'm going to start with you first. I'm actually going to go to a horse that you mentioned before who hasn't really been getting all the buzz in terms of the workout reports and number seven hit show. Um, I, I thought that hit show was frankly a little bit more forwardly placed than I expected him to be in the Derby. He, you know, he ran pretty much three, four wide that entire race. I thought that it looked like on that, on the far turn in the Derby that he looked like he was in prime position and, and just clearly didn't have it that day. Um, I, I do think that he has something though to give in this race. And again, a horse that doesn't need to be too far back. We've belabored the point of, of the pace in this race, but not a deep closer, but yet can have and has shown a closing kick. Maybe he just didn't like Churchill. I'm not entirely sure, but at 10 to one, Brad Cox, Manny Franco, Manny's been on this horse, you know, three other times before, including a win. So uh, that would be a top long shot that I would look to use uh, underneath in my vertical uh, exotics. Has a tap it mare as well, which you certainly like to see for getting the mile and a half. Mike Samich, uh, top long shot or top, you know, horse to key underneath in exotics for you. I mean, for me, it's two horses, and we've already talked about both of them. You have to figure out how to inject some price into the triple and the superfecta and the three Archangelo sitting at eight to one uh, for all the reasons we've discussed before. If you're not putting him on top, I think that's a very logical horse to be using at a little bit of a price. And Hit Show, it would be the other one for me as well. I had a 75 to one derby ticket on Hit Show. This is one of those horses which I picked out a while ago. And you go back and you look at his races, and you can kind of poke holes in them on paper, but when you watch them, on the replays, they're significantly better. We talked about Hit Show going into the Derby. It's a horse I used in my Super. I think Mike Conti used him in his Super as well. Horse ends up running fifth. Uh, thanks, Disarm, for killing the Super. Uh, it, but this was one of those where Hit Show, if you go back and you specifically watch the race, uh, two back, the Wood Memorial going a mile and an eighth, ends up running second there. Lord Miles wins at a monster price. 
But that day was the 13 horse, broke 12 out of 12, Was had his, his butt swung out on the first turn going five wide, was four wide on the second turn, and played bumper cars down the lane. There was a ton of trouble there. And I agree with Mike. I think he was too close to the pace. I think the connections wanted him forwardly placed. And uh, the clock in the head there of Manny Franco may not have been as good as they had hoped. Uh, and so he was forwardly placed in, near a, a hot pace and yet still was able to hang out. I thought him and two fills both ran very good races to run second and fifth in the Derby. Yet it doesn't look as good on paper because he ran fifth. And so I think that getting 10 to 1 on hit show is an advantage here. And we talked about Brad Cox having that rabbit on the rail. If, if Tappet Shoes does play rabbit, hit show is the one that's going to benefit from this. The three and the seven should be sitting right behind the one and the four, four and the five who are going to be out early. Those two get the best trip here. And I think both of them are live to hit the board. And they're, they're the way you spice this thing up with eight to one and 10 to one. I think I had to sort these horses into A's and B's. I, I would put your top line, the A's between you two at three, six, and eight. And then the B line at the four and the seven with National Treasure and Hit Show. Hi there, listeners. We're back to invite you to head into this sports betting summer with new gear built to last. And friends of the podcast, Shady Rays have you covered against the glare of that summer sun with premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company offering world-class products, durable frames, the clearest possible optics, and Shady Rays also offers the best protection plan in all of eyewear. How good is it? Well, every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, it's okay. You don't need to cry about it. You just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. And you can look good and feel good because to date, Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. That's nice. So exclusively for you, our beloved podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses, and you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. We will talk about, you know, specific ways you want to bet this race. I know it's still Wednesday. We have a couple of days to think about tickets. I put out my tickets like two hours before these races because I'm crunching the numbers and I feel like Charlie in the uh, it's always sunny meme going crazy, you know, <laughs> in front of the whiteboard as I build out my tickets. But as of Wednesday afternoon, Mike Salmich, any tickets that you think you'll definitely be playing on Saturday for the Belmont Stakes? I will have a superfecta ticket, which is uh, single to forte on top with Archangelo, Hit Show, and Angel of Empire in the second, third, and fourth spots for five bucks. That'll cost me thirty dollars. So I'll, I'll have that superfecta ticket for sure. I will probably have a superfecta ticket with Archangelo and Forte as the two on top because I do think if you can get Archangelo in there, that's going to juice out the payouts. I really like this pick four sequence. Uh, you get Cody's Wish in the first race, who I think is a reasonable single. The second race, you have up to the mark and two Europeans for Appleby both coming in. I think those are the, really the only three contenders there. I like Archangelo and Forte here. And my best bet on the Saturday card is actually in the last race, Spirit of St. Louis for Chad Brown, trying the turf for the first time, drew the rail. I think that horse uh, is 5-2 to two on the morning line, should be closer to even money. 
So I have two singles uh, in that that late pick four, and I have two other pretty big opinion races. So for me, I think that the late pick four is exceptionally playable if you do want to play Cody's Wish, who is the one, into Up to the Mark, who is the eight, and the three and the four in that race are both the Europeans. And then you play six, three here in the Belmont, and you close it out with singling the one in the final race. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have you just recap that ticket one more time when we get back through Saturday's undercard races and then close it out with, you know, I, I guess it's a, it's a post limb, the 13th race on Saturday. Is that what we're going to refer to it as? It's it's the race that they stick on the cards. So some people stay around and alleviate some of the traffic leaving Belmont park, which I've been in before and is an absolute nightmare. Mike Conti, any tickets directly connected to the Belmont for Saturday that, you know, you'll be playing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing a super, I'm going to single Archangelo on top. I'm going to use uh national treasure, angel of empire, uh forte and hit show in the two three and four spots mm -hmm. uh so a little bit more expensive than than samich's ticket there uh, but by singling archangelo on top it also should extract if that comes in much more value there for me so that's going to be uh the big one that i'm going to play and then i'm just going to play a straight cold exacta where i'm going to play archangelo over forte uh, because I do think for all the reasons that we've mentioned that you can't leave Forte out of it. And so I will be singling Forte uh, in that second spot, right? And Archangelo in the top spot for a cold exacta uh, in the Belmont Stakes. Yeah, I, I'm hoping, uh, you know, the rest of the public and other handicappers out there are not as high on Archangelo as you two are, just because I don't want the opinion on him from the public perspective getting so high that everybody's betting him. I was very high on Archangelo. Even at eight to one, I said I expected something closer to 10 to one, 12 to one, maybe even 15 to one. But, uh, you know, if the rest of the consensus is as high on him as you two are, I don't know if it'll ever get there. Let's back up to Friday because we have plenty of great races throughout Belmont Stakes Weekend. Gold Cup Friday at Belmont Park. Uh, the Gold Cup is race 10, but plenty. I, I believe there's three grade one stakes, two grade two stakes on Friday. Mike Samich, I want to go to you first. Don't have to give me a multi-race sequence, just any best bets that you have on Friday's undercard in particular, any horses that you're going to single and try to build your multi-race tickets around. Yeah, we, I, got, I got two horses that I like quite a bit. Uh, the first one to me is a Stone Cold single, race six. Uh, this is a $62,000 non-winner, two optional allowance. The two-horse Rockney uh, coming in here for Michael Maker. Liscano gets them out. This is just a pure loan speed play. We're going six furlongs on Belmont's dirt. There is no one that can go with Rockney. I don't think that anyone can even really press Rockney. And if when you have a horse who is a length to two lengths loose at Belmont sprinting, who has shown the ability to continue moving when they sprint well, uh, that's a horse that you want to be using. This is a four-year-old who is two for three over the Belmont surface. The other race ended up running second, four for six at the distance. Uh, three to one, I think, is a gift. We'll see if we actually get that on race day. I'm expecting more around the nine to five mark, but Rockney in the sixth for me is a stone-cold single. And then the other race where I think you can take a shot, this is more of a little bit of a long shot, but the eighth race here, um, the grade one New York Really tough race. You get Didia in here, who ran really well on the uh, on the Derby undercard, but taking a step up in class. And then Warlike Goddess, who uh, just a phenomenal horse. Uh, she's been amazing for the last two years for Bill Mott and uh, and uh, Joel Rosario. Six to five favorite on the morning line. I'm going to go to a little bit of an up and comer though. I'm going to go to the four horse market segmentation, who I think will control the pace in this race. You're getting six to one for Chad Brown and Jose Ortiz. 
I, I wouldn't completely chuck Warlike Goddess, but I think you got to include market segmentation who will either be in the lead or sitting in second place. It's a four-year-old who just keeps getting better. And I like this the the fact that Chad Brown takes a shot here at a mile and a quarter. And if we're going to beat Warlike Goddess, who has been dominated a mile and a half, I think the mile and a quarter distance and speed is the way to do it. So market segmentation, the four in the eighth race on Friday would be the other horse I'm looking at. Seeing that horse's name written out as one word breaks the brain a little bit. Not going to lie, but Chad <laughs> Brown has four of the eight in that field. And just to recap, race six, Mike Samich likes Rotney. And then in race eight, the number four market segmentation. Mike Conti, Friday undercard bets, favorite bets, horses you're singling, using in multi-race tickets, keying on. How are you feeling about Friday's card? Yeah, I'm going to give you one horse, Sean, because there's one horse that I really like and I think is at a pretty square price. And in a race that we haven't talked about yet, going to go to race nine, which is the Eggcorn Stake. Um, and in the Eggcorn, I really like number eight, a seed. Uh, she's coming in off, I, I don't think it was a bad race in the eight bells. I don't think it was great either, but she's stretching out in distance to run a route for the first time in her career. Uh, listen, Chad Brown doesn't put his horses in places where they can't win, right? And in this spot, yes, you have some horses in here, you know, Munnings Gold, Pretty Mischievous, right? You've got some other horses in here who we've seen a lot on this, you know, Kentucky Oaks type trail, uh, Darth Vader as well. And I just think that you're going to be able to see the A to seed sit a really nice trip. She's stretching out in distance, like I mentioned. And I just think that this is a race where we can continue to see her improve. It's only her third career start. So it's not in you know, it's not some huge mystery here. It, it's just something where it's like, okay, if she can continue to improve as she's gained experience, this could be a horse at a really square price that you can build some really nice multi-race tickets around with taking a big shot at a single in this eight horse, a seed at eight to one. Good. You want a nice Conti. single, single double. You could play the Chad Brown double, the number four market segmentation in race eight, and then the number eight, a seed in race nine. That would give you a pretty nice payout if they cashed at six to one and eight to one respectively on the morning line. I do want to get both of your thoughts on the Gold Cup, whether you have direct thoughts on horses you want to use in a Gold Cup Belmont Stakes double, whether there is a preference you have between the European horses and the American horses in this field. The favorite, the number two, Siskinay at eight to five is a British horse, but even Channel Maker, eight to one, bunch of American horses are pretty lower on the odds board. Usually you see the Euros a bit shorter in price and amongst all of the favorites in here, it's, it's actually a decent spread. Uh, Mike Conti going to you first, you know, you may not have specific thoughts on this rate, but any leans at this point in time that we could maybe connect to the Belmont stakes. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, you said, right. In, in number two, I mean, anytime Charlie Appleby sends a horse, and I think I've said this in the past on this podcast, but anytime that Charlie Appleby sends a horse over to us turf or us soil in general, you know that that runner is going to be live. You know that that runner is is prepped. It's ready. You know, that horse is ready to go. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the number two, Siskani, I think, you know, very live horse to be using. Uh, the other horse, though, that I thought was interesting is the number seven, Amazing Grace at six to one, right? This horse has run over this ground at Belmont. Granted, albeit it was a good turf course, not a firm course, which we should get this weekend. 
Uh, that was only the horse's second U.S. start. Chris Clement always seems to get his runners ready for these big races, especially on the turf and especially these long turf races. Listen, we've talked about time and time again, this has not been Joel's year. He has been performing a little bit better at this meet. And frankly, when he's been performing the best is when he's been teaming up with Clement on the turf. So I do think that the number seven Amazing Grace is very interesting at a nice price of six to one. Yeah, so the two and the seven for Conti in the Gold Cup with maybe the three, six, four, and then eight in the Belmont Stakes. Mike Samich, uh, agree or disagree on the two and the seven in the Gold Cup, which is race 10, 5.47 p.m. post on Friday. Then any other ones you're considering using? I think Siskini is, is going to be tough here. I mean, even if you go two back, uh, lost by a neck to Broom, a very good horse. When you This, this is one of those that is just facing upper-tier class over in Europe and now shipping over here for Charlie Appleby and Buick's taking them out as well. You know that Siskini is going to run well. Definitely a deserving favorite here and the horse that I have on top. Uh, two other horses I think are worth using. I looked at Amazing Grace. Uh, I have Amazing Grace underneath, I think fourth or fifth type spot in this race. I'm not going to put Amazing Grace on top. I do think the 11 high definition is interesting. Uh, this is a horse that was trained by Aiden O'Brien back in 2022 and danced all the dances, including running against Baid and Mishriff uh, at Royal Ascot, I believe it was. Or no, it was York, I'm sorry, where he ran, faced both of those. Uh, switched over to the Sun, right? Joseph O'Brien, who has had some success shipping over here to the U.S., gets Ho Jose Ortiz to take them out. This is a uh, a Galileo horse. Galileo likes these longer distances and this horse has succeeded at two miles before getting eight to one on the morning line on the 11 high definition who I think make think makes some sense and then just from a pure pace play if you want to get wonky the four tide of the sea is going to be loose so you're, you're going to get your heart racing it's just a question of when you get your heart broken right because it's probably not good enough to win but is going to be in the lead for a really long time. And so I, I don't hate the idea of just playing a little bit of a saver double into Forte or saver double into Archangelo using the four who is just dead lone speed here going two miles. How deep uh, we, we talked about structure last time, Samich, and you gave such good information, you know, regarding single race exotics when you're doing a two day double, how deep are you willing to go? You know, your top choices are technically the favorites in both races, are you going to press up an opinion on the two favorites in a single? Do you think that's like not worth enough value, even if it hits? Would you rather try to single in one of the races and then hit a price in another? How are, what's your preferred way to play those two-day doubles? I will probably not play this two-day double. Um, I, I don't like daily doubles going favorite-favorite. I think it, it, it absolutely kills the value of the double. If you can get around one of the two favorites, generally there is value in it. If you go favorite-favorite, it, it generally does not have much value. So I'll, I'll look at the board. I'll see what the prices are and what the implied odds will be on Forte off of playing the two uh, Siskini here in front of it. But my plan going into the weekend is not to play this double. If I did, I would probably be playing the 11-3 and not playing it for a lot. Just taking a swing if I'm getting like 60 to 1, 50 to 1, something like that. I'm playing the 11 here with the 3 because you're getting 8 to 1 on both morning lines. So I'll take a peek at that. And if I think there is exponential value, meaning I'm getting over 10 to 1 on both of them, so a dollar would have to pay at least 100 to 1, then I'll probably throw a couple bucks on it. But as of now, I'm not planning on playing it because I don't play favorite, favorite doubles generally. Great stuff. Uh, let's move on to Saturday's card, the Belmont Stakes undercard. Same deal. You know, it's Wednesday. I don't expect you to have all of your tickets together, but any horses that you're planning on building your Saturday around, any races you're really keying in on, Mike Samich, your thoughts first. 
Uh, Spirit of St. Louis, I mentioned 13th race at Belmont is a state bred N1X allowance. Uh, this horse has tried the dirt twice, but yet to touch the turf. It's a Magla de Oro, uh, lemon drop kit on the bottom. This horse should absolutely love the turf. Uh, ran very well in the first race, his first race, one by eight lengths at Aqueduct going a mile, stretched out. Uh, and just wasn't able to get by Olympic Dreams late, uh, going a mile and an eighth. But I, I think turf is the preferred distance. I love the post position. This is a Chad Brown that has tactical speed, so it's not like we're going to be forever off the pace. Uh, so I think the one spirit of St. Louis in the 13th is going to be ultra tough to get around. Uh, other horse I like at a little bit of a price. Let's go to the sixth race here. It's the Marathon. And this is a race where generally you don't have a ton of pace. But in this version of it, you've got like four or five horses that want to go, including two of them in the four and the five horse here, uh, Bright Future and Next, who both have very fast early time four ratings, both want to go quickly up front. We're talking like the four has gone 45 and change the last two times going a half mile. You can't do that going a mile and a half. I think it sets up exceptionally well for the two horse red one who is six to one on the morning line stretched out to a mile and a half for the first time at last time out. But the key for me here is how well we have done inside the Mike maker barn. Mike maker is exceptional at claiming these horses and stretching them out on the turf. He's also pretty darn good at it, doing it on the dirt. Uh, we saw him claim this horse for 50,000, three back, runs it back at a $60,000 allowance. You see a nice little improvement, best career race, and then runs it back at a mile and a half on the undercard on Churchill weekend, runs second to Warren at 12 to one, pops a career best buyer. Now you're getting third Mike Maker, third out Mike Maker. And we talked about the, the breeding in the Belmont. This is a gun runner on the top and a tap at mare on the bottom. That mile and a half distance should hit it right between the eyes. You're getting the pace set up and you're getting the right price. So the, the two horse red run six to one on the morning line in the grade two Brooklyn, the sixth race on Saturday, I think is awfully live. I like the Brooklyn quite a bit. It is the same distance as the Belmont stakes. You don't see American dirt runners go a mile and a half very often, but this is for the older horses, four-year-old and up. So same distance as the Belmont, kind of a fun race. I will definitely be betting red run alongside you, Mike Samich. I, I just want to go back to the Hillendale Met Mile race 10 because you mentioned earlier you are going to single Cody's wish in a pick four to close out your card. That also ends with the number one spirit of St. Louis in race 13. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm going I'm to play a pick four that's just one with three, four, eight, with three, six, with one. And I'll probably play it one with eight, with six, with one for a nice chunk of change and just single all four of them and see if we can get, uh, it's not going to look, if it goes one, eight, six, one, it's probably four favorites, but I think you're going to get enough people spreading in that pool that if you play it for 25 bucks cold, it's still very much worthwhile playing. I like that quite a bit. That sounds like a fun way to play the final four races on Saturday's card. And that would start, that bet would start at five Oh four PM and you'd be playing a pick four. Mike Conti, Saturday's undercard, Saturday's post limb. If you have any thoughts on race 13, uh, how are you connecting the dots to get to the Belmont or maybe playing pick fours, pick fives before we get there? So I'm actually going to play a pick five before we get there that ends in the Belmont. I will for, you know, with some fun, because I do agree with Mike that I really do like the one in race 13, St. Joe Lewis. So um, I do really like that horse, but I'm going to go with the all grade one uh, pick five sequence that ends in the Belmont. So starts in race eight in the Woody Stevens. And this is where I'm going to actually try to extract some serious value out of here. My top pick in here is Gilmore number 12 at 12 to one. This horse ran in the Pat Day mile. And if you watch where this horse was, the horse was always three to four wide. And then on the turn, as everybody fanned out, this horse is pushed like 
it says eight wide on the paper, but if you go in the PPs, if you go look and you start counting paths, it's like 10 or 12. I mean, it's really wide. And I think that there's, frankly, there's more pace, I believe, in here today in the Woody Stevens than there was in the Pat Day mile, which only favors Gilmore based on running style. Um, and so, you know, this is the second time that IRAD will be aboard uh, Gilmore in here. And I just think that this horse at 12 to one is really interesting to me. So I will also be using General Jim and Fort Bragg, who were the first and second place finishers uh, in that Pat Day mile as well. Uh, but so basically the th those three coming out of the Pat Day, I really like Gilmore at 12 to one is a really interesting play to me though. Um, and I think a great way to start this pick five with some value. Then you get to race nine, this is this is tough because honestly, this is a spot where you have to wonder from the Caravel camp, why are they running here and not going to Ascot, right? And so is Caravel just no longer in top form? She's run against the boys and beat the boys plenty of times before. You just wonder though, why not ship, right? Are they worried that shipping takes too much out of her? I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to let her beat me, especially in multi-race bets. The, the horse, though, that I think was was interesting to me at, I think, a fair price is number 11, Casa Creed at 9-2. to two. The horse has shown that, you know, he loves Belmont. He has three wins over the Belmont turf course. Uh, and frankly, he's a horse that I think as he's gotten older, he's just gotten better. And so a horse that, you know, I think can really stand a chance to beat Caravel. If, if there are others in here, which it looks like there are, that are going to try to go with Caravel, Casa Creed's going to be the one trying to pick up those pieces late. So in uh, the ninth race, the Jaipur, I will be using Caravel and Casa Creed. Uh, in race 10, I will be singling Cody's Wish. Listen, I didn't have Cody's Wish as my top selection uh, on Derby Day, but in, in the Churchill Downs grade one, but I also didn't see as much pace as there was in that race. And there's way more pace in this race today than there was that day. And I just think Cody's wish is, is far superior. I'm not worried about the one post. He's actually getting a little bit more distance. He's won at a mile before. So not worried about that. I mean, he's won six times at a mile. So not worried about that whatsoever. I, I think he's just dominant. I, I frankly think we're going to be lucky if we get seven to five. So I will single Cody's wish there in the 11th race. Probably to nobody's surprise because he was my best bet on the undercard on Derby Day as well. I'm going right back to the well and up to the mark. Uh, similar to, to Samich, I'm also going to single up to the mark in this spot, which is where, which is why I'm trying to extract value a little bit in the earlier races here. Uh, so I will be singling up to the mark in here. He's eight to five. Listen, I think we all know by now, right? He's found his, per excuse me, his preferred surface. Uh, and I think that he's just coming into his own overall as a horse. He's just continuing to progress. And frankly, I don't think that there's a ton of world beaters in here to begin with. Eight to five, even even money, I would be betting him to win at at this point, but I will be singling him in the pick five. And then in the Belmont, right? Because I have those two singles at shorter prices earlier. I don't mind in this pick five using four horses in here, which will be Archangelo, National Treasure, Angel of Empire, and Forte. Yeah, good stuff. And, you know, I think the eighth and the ninth races on Saturday's card are the most difficult races of the weekend to handicap. So, Conti gave you a pick five that starts with a single in race eight. 
Samich gave you a pick four that ends with a single in race 13. So if you want to find a way to avoid race nine or having too much invested in it because it is a very difficult race to handicap, that might be the way to go about it. Play the late pick four, play the pick five that starts in race eight and go shallow. That'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in for the 2023 Belmont Stakes Preview presented by FanDuel, the Action Network podcast. We will see you back in November for Breeders' Cup weekend. For Mike Samich, for Mike Conti, I'm Sean Zarillo. Best of luck this weekend. Hope you cash some tickets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.